This is an ohs.com.au production. Welcome to episode 24 of the Australian Health and Safety Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Anton Guinea. Good morning, Anton. How are you? Brendan, on fire, mate. How are you tracking on, mate? <laughs> A great start for the new financial year. <laughs> it, is, it is, and it's actually um, it's day one of the month after National Burns Month. There you go. Did you know that? Fun fact. Okay, so that's probably a good segue to start the podcast, really. Um, how did you get involved with the world of health and safety? Oh, mate, I started life as an apprentice electrician back in the day, and um, I finished my apprenticeship at the ripe old age of 21 at a alumina refinery in Gladstone, Queensland, which is my hometown. Actually, we went away for many years and have been back living here for probably the last 15. And not long after finishing that apprenticeship, Brendan, I actually was doing some work. It was a Tuesday morning. It was about 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning. It was just after Smoko, actually. And I was working with a tradesman and um, the tradesman and I were doing some work in a switchboard. And and the sad part is it was such a simple job and it was uh, not a big, not a complex job. It wasn't a long job. I was tasked with by my tradesman measuring where we were going to put this little electrical component, a.k.a. A overload block, into this switchboard. And we had about six of these switchboards to do and... The tradesman asked me very nicely, as they do, to measure where this overload block was going to be because he was the tradesman. He was going to do the, the smart stuff after me and he just wanted me to measure up where it was going to go so that he could come behind and wire it in and screw it in and all those other things and then test it. So said, yeah, cool. So I, uh, I really do remember vividly looking down into my tool bag and I had nothing to measure with and so I... I went and saw someone else on site that I knew, and this is a chemical factory in Gladstone that I'd gone to work at just for a very short term because I finished my apprenticeship and there's no work around in town. And I finally got a job on what we call shutdowns in industry. So the plant was shut down and there was a couple of weeks' work while an intensive maintenance effort was conducted on this part of the plant. And so we're in the middle of a shutdown and um, the tradesman asked me to go and measure where this thing's going to be. I looked down, nothing to measure with, so I'll go and grab a steel ruler, would you believe, off one of the mechanical trades people that I knew. So strangely enough, at 21, and even though I knew better, I came back to Dean at the time and was all excited that I had something to measure with because remember this was my first job out of my apprenticeship and as I started measuring in the switchboard with this steel ruler which was a really really bad uncool idea to jam a steel ruler in a switchboard as I started measuring the switchboard exploded like it literally erupted it blew up um the technical term for Brennan is an arc flash or an arc blast mm. And it, and I, I suppose it's safe to say that it blew the bejesus out of me and everything else around it, other than the tradesman that I was working with. Thank God. So you you took 
the the brunt of it being in front, I guess. I did, Brennan. Yeah, yeah. My hands, my neck, my face and my sort of wrists and forearms took just the absolute worst of the heat intensity of the arc blast. So, yeah, it blew up instantaneously. Um, we now know because arc flash wasn't a big thing back in the day and no one really knew much about it. Now we study it or industry studies arc flash and we now know that at the source of the arc, it gets to 20,000 degrees C, right? Oh. So that's pretty high, and, and it's really hard to explain that to people, and I don't really try to because they say it's five times as hot as the sun. Wow. <laughs> um, and I do crack a funny and say I don't know. I've got nothing to relate it to because I've never been to the sun. But <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's and, just... Mm. And so what happened next? Were you unconscious or... Do you remember what happened after that? Good call. So I got blown back out of the switchboard, Brennan. Um, did I'm gonna say that I I blanked out for a very very short period of time because I remember sort of coming to, if that's the yeah. right word. And it might be just that I lost my faculties for a sec. I I really it's it was sort of a weird moment or two in time where um, I remember being on my back in the switch room and all this had just happened and it all happened so fast and, you know, it happens in half a second arc blast. They come and go. They literally, they appear and they disappear. So I don't remember seeing anything. I don't remember, like, it happening. I just remember being on my back in the switchboard and opening my eyes and my ears going, holy crap, what just happened? And and it was... My eyes were really, really blurry because it was so bright and my ears were ringing because it was so loud. And I remember I pushed myself up off the ground, Brennan, and as I did that, I peeled like all of the skin off the hand that I pushed myself up with because my hands had been so badly burnt. Like literally it just tore, peeled. I don't know a better way to put it skin off the palm of my hand and which was hanging down now in a flap and I could see some bright pink skin underneath which was actually pretty crappy as well so those first few moments after the incident occurred were were really scary I guess to a degree and they were actually quite painless because the the pain of second degree burns doesn't kick in immediately it's a weird thing that it takes a few moments for your body to register that all of your skin has just been cooked and basically char-grilled and is now dead. And it needs to now sort of send some fluid, some cooling agent internally to those parts of your body to actually start to try and cope with the pain that you're about to experience and the recovery that you're going to go through now for the next month or two or, or years if you're burnt more badly than I was. I was very lucky. I only had second-degree burns, thank God, to about 15% of my body. So, you know, for the first moment or two, I remember standing up and I said to the tradesman, I said, look, I can see my hands. I can see all the skin peeling off my hands. How's my, my face? And he said, well, you're pretty lucky, man. He said, it didn't get your face. And and it had, and it had sort of blown some of my face off, which was interesting. And I was glad that he told me that at the time just for a few moments because it just sort of gave me a little bit of comfort 
in that moment because I really was instantaneously worried about um, scarring and recovery and there's a whole lot of weird stuff happens in your mind in a very, very short amount of time when something like this happens. And it wasn't until I got out of the switch room, Brennan, which was probably 10 metres walk, and I turned left to go down to the medical centre to get some help. And it wasn't until I got out of the switch room that the pain kicked in and then I realised that the tradesman <laughs> had been lying to me, which was okay, or had lied to me, because it had got my face because I could feel my face burning now and my hands were burning. So so those first few minutes, it's a great question, how do you react in that moment in time? And those first few moments are, are really scary, um, very lonely, very uh, um very uh, they move so fast so much happens so your mind races and um yeah it was one of those really scary moments of my mm. life and so you you go to the medical center and mm -hmm. then and are they equipped to deal with it or are you straight to hospital or what I, yeah great question i'm going to say probably not i don't think many people are brendan able to deal with the pain of second degree burns because really all they've got is sort of water and ice and stuff and um maybe they've got morphine this particular medical center didn't and it wasn't until the the ambulance turned up probably 10 minutes later that that they were able actually to administer morphine so they first tried well actually even the ambulance officers didn't now that i think about it they gave me this thing called a green whistle have you ever been injured, Brennan? Um, oh, not not to that degree. I mean, I've broken an arm. That's probably yeah, right. Yeah, touch wood. That's probably the the uh, the worst I've had. Good on you, mate. Well, that's good. Good on you. Lucky you. Did they give you anything for it? Like, was it at a footy game or anything? Have you yeah. ever had that green whistle? No, I haven't had the green whistle. Right, right. It's this thing that you you sort of hold on to, and there's. It's methyoxyfluorone is the chemical compound that's in it, strangely enough. I don't know why I know the name of that. I just remember it. And, um, and you, you know, you, you self-administer this thing, which was interesting because both my hands were burned so badly that I couldn't use them. <laughs> yeah. And, and I had to convince the ambulance drivers to allow me to hold it for me, basically, because they said they were breaching procedure and protocol by doing that. And I said, look, I'm, I'll let you off and I won't tell anyone if you don't. <laughs> given that i mean a, immense pain yeah please guys help me out here uh, it was almost a beggar i think and a plea so the medical center wasn't equipped she what was interesting was that she actually asked me you know are you in she, it was weird she said are you in pain and i said oh look intense so bad I, you know this is just horrific she said gee you're lucky and i said oh that's funny i don't feel lucky and she, she said, you've got second-degree burns, not third-degree burns. Mm. And she said, so if it was only first, like sunburn, it would be days recovery or weeks recovery. If it's second, it's it's weeks to months. And if it was third, it's months to years. So she said, because you're in so much pain, it's most likely second-degree and there might be some third-degree. She said, and then she looked at my hands and where I'd peeled the skin off that hand, it was pink skin underneath. And she said, oh, you're very lucky. Mm. You've still got that skin underneath, so it's second degree burns, and and so she tried dumbing the nut, 
dumbing the pain and she couldn't. We called the ambulance. He gave me methoxyfluorone through the green whistle, which didn't help. And finally, they got to the hospital where the nurses up there and the doctor, I think I saw, were able to administer morphine, thank God, and that sort of dulled it significantly, thank God. Mm. And so I take it, I mean, this happening to you at such a young age, Mm. it it changed your trajectory on your life path, I, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely, Brandon. Mate, I tell you, there's nothing like a significant emotional or physical event like that to actually change everything that you think about, everything that you know. So I went from, you know, a happy, content, living at home, 21-year-old who just finished his apprenticeship, who was, you know, probably going to become an electrician for life um, at a local factory somewhere and um, take it take life fairly caref- in a fairly carefree way to never, ever wanting to work as an electrician again, bitter and twisted with the world, so why me, to being now having to recover for the next few months and not knowing what I was going to do with the rest of my life given that I didn't want to be an electrician anymore and that was all I knew. And so talking about trajectory the decision to not become an electrician anymore was an interesting one because even to this day I'm so scared of, like, if, if we have a circuit breaker trip in our house even, I send my kids out to reset it because <laughs> right. it's, just, it's just yucky poo. Yeah, yeah. As you can imagine. And, you know, people say, Brennan, oh, just get back up on the horse, mate. Well, you know what? It's not that easy. Mm. You know, it's it's hard when you've sort of had something, and it's really difficult to get your head around. And and still, like I say to this day, I just still see that that switchboard, that black switchboard, and um, that switch room, and uh, and it's just it's it's just a weird thing to explain because I had to go back to my trade because I didn't know anything different. And what was weird was that. If I knew then what I knew now, I never would have. I'd know that there's so many things in life that you could go and do. I've changed career about five times since then, which is cool. Um, At the time, though, I'd actually started putting in for jobs, which was interesting, and one of the jobs that I'd put in for was a mining job as an electrician over in WA. And would you believe that while I was in the burns unit for that month, the HR person who was recruiting for that role happened to ring home and mum said, oh, no, he's injured, he's in the burns unit. Um, And finally she tracked me down, I guess, through mum. Mum spent most of the time in the burns unit with me, actually. And finally, it turned out she was going to be in Brisbane where I was in the burns unit the day that I got out of hospital. <laughs> oh, right. Wow. Would you, would you believe it? And so I got interviewed, I, sh- I, I kid you not, for my first job out of the burns unit the day that I got out for a job in the mines in WA, which I subsequently got because I think she felt sorry for me in all seriousness. And even though I didn't want that job, I, I convinced myself because it was in a mine, it was low voltage electrical. So I was working on, on big mining equipment like trucks and shovels and stuff. It wasn't working in switchboards per se. So I sort of reconciled it with myself that way. And um, even after I started, I reckon I'd, I'd been at the mine, I reckon probably six months. And I, and I was walking around the, the workshop floor and I remember looking up at, 
guys and gals that were on this like level above, you know, where the officers were. Yeah. That used to look down on all the tradesmen to see if we were working, would you believe? And um, I remember saying to a guy that was working up there now, I'm down here. I don't enjoy this anymore because I really didn't enjoy the trade after that. I said, you're up there, I'm down here. How do I get off the tools and um, and do something different with my life? Because this is really, you know, I don't like being an electrician anymore. And so this, sorry, this so you were, what, 21, 22 still at this? 21, 21. Yeah, at this wow, stuff. okay. Yep, still 21. So it was May, oh, sorry, March 2000 and. Uh, sorry, March 1994, the incident occurred. So then I started over in the mine about eight eight weeks later. Yeah. In May 1994. So, um, and then, and my birthday's in October 94 when I was going to turn 22. So, yeah, so it's all at the age of 21, all this was happening. And I remember, get this, here's, I'm just going to backtrack just for a sec. The first day on the job run and get this. So I walk into the workshop and the senior electrical guy comes down from on high from up on on that mezzanine level you know to greet me oh you're you're our new electrician he said i said yeah and he said mate we don't know how you got a job here how the heck you you know you don't even deserve this job this is a mining job which you're not qualified for and and you haven't got the right experience so i was deflated on the first day and he was right because i didn't do my apprenticeship in the mines i did it in in a factory or in a chemical plant and a refinery and they hired me for the other part of the business. So where where they mined the iron ore and they sent it over to like a refinery, I was hired for the refinery. But what they did was took the electricians from the mine and put them in the refinery and put the new guys out in the mine who knew nothing about mining, Right, which was interesting. So now I'm in a job that I didn't like, working on gear I didn't know, <laughs> working for people that sort of had no faith in me and then um, – and then I remember the, the supervisor walked out and we, he pointed at this big mining truck and said, um, he said, oh, that's, you know, one of the, the haul packs. I said, oh, okay, cool. You know, this thing's like hundreds of tonnes. It's a massive machine. And he said, it's got no propulsion. I said, oh, what's that mean? It doesn't go. I said, oh, okay, cool. And he said, and it's an electric truck. I said, oh, so you want me to fix that thing? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I do. I said, okay, so where do I start? And he said, well, here's the book. Here's the manual which is like a big fat folder. So I just start working my way through that, which was interesting. So anyway, um, cut a long story short, six months later, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to study a business degree. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, yeah and I, I finished that degree a few years later. And, um, and a few years after I started at the mine, the same guy that said I didn't deserve that job, I suppose, which I really – been one of the biggest motivating conversations I've had in my whole life. Um, he he promoted me off the tools into, I guess, a senior role up in those offices upstairs. And so, you know, it took me three years to get off the tools and not work as an electrician anymore. And, you know, the day that I got that phone call, I was so, so happy. And hey, That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So a bit of adversity to, um, it's uh, you know, as a young guy, a fair yeah. bit of adversity to cut through into the next level absolutely mate to a new career and that took me to i suppose the work that i'm doing today i realized there was people that led others that you know inspired others to do work and um you know i ended up in training roles i ended up climbing 
in inverted commas, the ladder of corporate success, which was interesting, and ended up in superintendent and manager roles in industry, which was really nice. Did all that quite young, probably too young. So I was sort of superintendent at 29 and manager not long after, which was interesting. And, you know, they were all really nice roles and, and, and really cool. And then, yeah. I was just going to say, so fast forward through to today, it's been fantastic hearing really focusing on those early years, I'm, I'm keen to hear what you're doing today. Like, <clears throat> So it sounds like you've fe- spent a fair bit of time in the mining industry, but you've also reinvented yourself a number of times. So what is Anton up to today? Yeah, right. So today, mate, what we do is we work with leaders and we work with teams. We cr- help develop people that develop businesses Brennan. So we spend a lot of time coaching, consulting leaders to get the best out of their team and to create high-performing teams. So um, that is done in a range of ways, whether it's training. So we do a lot of leadership training. We do one-on-one coaching and consulting, and then we work not only with the the team leader, but we also work with the team. So we do team building as well. So we'll work with your business and with your team and we'll use systems like team management system to understand what the profile of your team is and what your individual profiles are so that we can all understand how the team can work better and 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 so are you working with any particular industries like are you still working in mining or you're in other industries as well yeah, most of our work, believe it or not, because of my background, ends up in that heavy industry space. I guess I've got that that background and that understanding of what that looks like. So, you know, we're involved with council work, we're involved with things like um, utilities providers, whether that's electrical utilities or, or, or water utilities, for example. Um, and then we're involved with, you know, a refinery or a factory and mining industry, of course. So you've got a really diverse, diverse range of clients. And and that's, and that's we also do some work in the corporate space, which is nice now. So we get to work in... Um, in businesses that that aren't industrial, that that have a, uh, for example, a marketing business or a sales business. So one of our clients, one of our favourite clients, is the local Toyota dealership, which is nice. So we get to help their salespeople develop and grow, and um, their salespeople have just received some amazing sales awards, which is really cool, and that's nice for us to be part of. So, yeah, so we've got this really diverse range of clients and diverse range of services, actually, that we offer when I think about it, and and it's just really rewarding to be able to, I guess, go from, from that really crappy thing that happened at age 21 to to being able to share a whole knowledge base around leadership and around mindset and around growth and around contribution and inspiration to a whole range of leaders around the around the country which is really nice actually can i tell you very quickly brendan how i got into this work is that okay yeah, yeah, please, please do. We're gonna we we are gonna wrap up in the next few minutes, so yeah. you're gonna have to give me the elevator pitch, Anton. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. Well, the elevator pitch was um, I wanted to share the story basically with everyone and talk about it happened to me. It might happen to you. So, yep. my I started in leadership, really in safety leadership, and to try and 
inspire people not to make silly decisions at work and not to take shortcuts. So that's where it's all that's where it all started, and it went through safety leadership, and now it's in general business leadership. So. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so I'm just going to ask you a few quick questions to wrap up, Anton. Mm, of um, uh, how old are you? 46. And what do you like to do to keep fit? Oh, mate. Triathlon, brother. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Go the Ironmans. So I've got a, got a half Ironman coming up in six weeks' time and I want to um, qualify for the World Champs in Taupo next year So uh, and represent our fine country again. Brennan, we're the green and gold again. So Fantastic. that's pretty special. Fantastic. Um, how many hours sleep are you getting each night? Oh, not a great deal, man, at the moment. Too busy training. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I am, unfortunately, and it's, and it's wearing me down. Yep. Okay. And do you have any personal achievements you're looking to – uh, do in the next 12 months? Yeah, absolutely. So there's some more books on the cards um, and obviously to grow this business to keep to take it to the next level and to um, really probably, oh, sorry, to, to double, I guess, the size of our business in the next 12 months is our big goal. And okay. personally, personally to write the next book, yeah. Fantastic. So if people want to find out a little bit more about you, Anton, mm-hmm. how can they do that? Have you got a website or? Absolutely. So if they go to www.theguineagroup.com.au, so that's the G-U-I-N-E-A-G-R-O-U-P, one word, .com.au, Anton, or they can email Anton at theguineagroup.com.au, Brennan. That's great. All right, Anton, thanks very much for coming on the show today. 